You are listening to Choose Health, Episode 10, The Science of Happiness. We all want to be happy, but what actually makes someone happy? What does the research show? What kind of life or income or career or habit matters most? Have you ever wondered why some people who have so little can seem incredibly happy, while others with seemingly a lot often find themselves stressed and unhappy? Do you sometimes fall into the latter category where you rationally know how fortunate you are for your opportunities, but you still find yourself unhappy or not as happy as you'd like with your life? Listen in today as I share some interesting research around what makes us happy. Although it may seem simple at first, there are a few surefire ways to increase your happiness, and I'll be sharing them with you today. Enjoy. Welcome to Choose Health, the podcast hosted by Dr. Anne-Marie MacDonald, covering a range of topics like health, exercise, nutrition, and type 1 diabetes. The weekly podcast aims to inspire and empower you to choose health every day and live a healthy and active life with or without type 1 diabetes. Hi friends! The science of happiness has always been an interest of mine. Often our health is tied closely to our level of happiness. And yet, even though we live in a modern age of opportunity, we still often find ourselves unhappy. But what is happiness? And what can we do to ensure that we are our happiest selves? Happiness is subjective after all. It is, by definition, the state of well-being and contentment. It is experiencing positive emotions. It is feeling or showing pleasure. It is therefore a state and not so much a trait. You're not a happy person, but rather someone who experiences happiness. When it comes to health and happiness, we can look towards the UN, who recently published the 2019 edition of the World Happiness Report. The World Happiness Index was devised as a tool to measure happiness and was based on six different parameters. These were levels of GDP, life expectancy, generosity, social support, freedom, and corruption. Although the report measured happiness levels by country, we can learn a lot from these six parameters, as well as apply them to our levels of individual happiness. First and foremost, we need to have our basic needs met whether by living in a country with economic opportunity or by working hard to make ends meet, we need to feel stable and able to have a roof over our heads, food on our plates, and a warm bed to sleep in at night. No surprise, right? We also need to feel secure and safe. And once our basic needs are met, our happiness then can increase. Another interesting parameter is that of generosity. Did you know that random acts of kindness have been shown to increase one's happiness? And so although going to the spa or taking a weekend trip away can increase your happiness, so does buying a stranger a coffee, for example, or simply holding open the door. 
When it comes to our own happiness, what can we actually control? Researchers think that about 40% of our own happiness is under our control, whereas the rest is determined by both external factors as well as our genetic makeup. But 40% is still 40%. Let me tell you about some of the behaviors that you can start or continue that have been shown to promote happiness. First off, having quality relationships. These relationships can be with loved ones, with friends, with family, with co-workers, etc. The number of relationships is less important than the quality of those relationships. You want to aim to have people in your life whom you can trust and who support you. Secondly, when it comes to making money, i.e. one's income, studies have shown that there is a bit of a cap after which happiness doesn't necessarily increase. Now, depending on where you live, hello expensive real estate in Toronto, or what your basic needs are, the number may slightly vary. But generally speaking, if you make $75,000 or anything greater than $75,000, your income won't directly translate to being any happier. A large study, for example, of roughly 1.7 million people from 164 different countries was done, and the analysis, which you can find published in the journal Nature Human Behavior, found that you can put a price on optimal well-being between about $60,000 to $75,000 a year. In fact, the study also found that making more than $95,000 can actually make you feel less emotionally well, perhaps due to work responsibility, to stress, to unhealthy material pursuits, comparison, etc. Now, Onto the third behavior, practicing gratitude. I love this one. In positive psychology research, basically the science of happiness, practicing gratitude has been shown to boost feelings of well-being. When you're grateful, you acknowledge that sources or elements outside of yourself can be the source of goodness. You recognize and connect to other people. You connect to elements in nature or to a spiritual higher power, for example. A study led by two psychologists at the University of California and at the University of Miami, for example, compared two groups. One group was asked to write out things they were grateful for each day for 10 weeks, and the second group was asked to write out things that irritated them daily for 10 weeks. Who do you think had a better outcome? The results showed that those individuals who focused on gratitude were more optimistic, even exercised more, and actually had fewer visits to go see their doctor in comparison to the group who focused on the negative aspects of their days. Gratitude can also improve your relationships, which as we touched on earlier, can improve your happiness. By showing gratitude to your partner, to your friends, to your coworkers, studies have actually shown that you are also more likely to be open about any concerns in those relationships, hence strengthening the bond and promoting an open and honest relationship. Now, a fourth behavior, focusing on experiences rather than on things. This one might not be a surprise to you, 
but often our culture still seems to stress the possession of things in order to be happy. Experiential products and their effect on well-being were explored in a study by the Journal of Consumer Psychology recently, which found that people are happier when they spend their money on experiences rather than on material things. So next time you get a promotion, for example, focus on creating memories and not so much on collecting more stuff. Lastly is exercise. You didn't think I'd forget about the impact that exercise can have on your happiness, did you? Exercise has been shown a million times over. Okay, maybe not quite, but close. To be connected to higher levels of happiness. Physical activity will boost your happiness by connecting you to others, connecting you to nature if you're outside, helping you focus on the present moment, and of course, by moving your body, getting those happy hormones flooding your system, and clearing your mind. A recent interesting study coming out of Yale and Oxford last month examined how our mental health specifically is impacted by exercise. The study gathered data from 1.2 million Americans over the age of 18 and looked at how often participants self-reported having a bad mental health day, in quotes, and whether or not these bad mental health days were more or less frequent in those who exercised. The results showed that individuals who exercised had 43.2% fewer bad days than those who did not. Exercise has also been shown to lower your stress levels. For instance, a study showed that a 20-minute walk in nature would decrease your cortisol levels. And it has also been shown to improve your depression symptoms, if you have any. I could go on and on and on about how exercise boosts your happiness. But for now, I simply want to stress that it's important to move in order to feel good. There you have it. A few key behaviors to focus on if you want to be happier in your life. Remember that happiness is subjective and often how we perceive or react to the world around us has been ingrained in us for quite some time. If you aren't generally a grateful person, for example, that's okay, or you don't practice gratitude daily, then start by thinking about what you're grateful for once a week, maybe. Don't simply jump on the bandwagon and change all of your thoughts and all your behaviors at once. We know that's not realistic or sustainable. As you take on this upcoming week, I challenge you to think about a few things that you can change in order to become a happier individual. Can you practice gratitude more often, for example? Can you incorporate more walking or more time in nature? Can you reach out to a friend and reconnect? Can you share kindness with a stranger? Let me know how you do. I would love to hear about your experiences. Next week, I'll be back with a topic that I'm often asked about, doctor visits. How often should you see a doctor, especially if you're quote-unquote healthy? What kind of screening or tests or vaccines should you do, and when? Check back next Monday to make sure you don't miss the episode. It'll be a good reminder for you, as well as for your loved ones, on when to connect with your health care providers. Until then, have an amazing week, and thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Choose Health. Be sure to subscribe to receive notifications when new episodes are posted. See you next week. Thank you.